Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Joey Toons. Joey, thank you very much for coming on. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Australia. No matter where you are in the world, if you're looking to find your edge in sports betting or racing, you'll need to visit the Betfair Hub. From analysis to betting psychology, it has everything that you need. Simply visit betfair.com.au slash hub. Today, I'm joined by Joey Toons. Joey, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. So, Joey, we probably have a lot of ground to cover, so we'll just get straight into it. Tell us uh, your starting point in the betting world. Was it early age? Was it something you developed as you you know grew up through the teenage years into your early 20s? Or when do you remember the first encounter? Um, so basically, uh, I, it was pretty much around middle school when, you know, the parlay cards started coming around and, uh, that was my first real, I'd say hustle at that point. You know, I was betting them, I was giving them out, trying to get at least free bets out of it. And, uh, a friend of my dad's work would, would give them to me and yeah, I did well with them. You know, I was known around school for doing, for doing them and, uh, selling, uh, tear jerkers at the time. But, um, yeah, then so so I I was working at a pizza shop as a delivery guy about sort of seventeen, you know, when uh when I first got a job there. And uh the the manager, not the owner at the time, was a bookie and he was kinda telling me, you know, a little bit. I had a lot of friends betting and I was basically calling it into this guy, holding nothing. He would give me a little kickback at the time and and then uh People were telling me, like, why do you even turn it in? You're standing good for all your friends and, you, you know, how everybody was slow paying and everything. I said, you know what? Yeah, I'm just going to start my own thing. So I started booking from, like, I guess 17, 18 till about 22 is when I really started getting into betting. I met a, a fellow by the name of – well, they called him the snowman in Philly. He, he was – he got in trouble for some other stuff. You can figure that out with Snowman. And uh, he basically showed me a lot of offshore stuff that I had a clue about but wasn't really in tune with it at the time. And he had a betting website, and uh, that was pretty much my start of it. I was sitting there watching at the time. I would have an auto-refresh or something, and I was seeing the lines moving before at that time there was you know, only call-in bookies. So they were using scores and odds. They were two minutes behind. Nobody was really changing the lines. Wasn't as good as, uh, you know, the 80s or whatever. But I caught the tail end where it was uh, you could still catch, like, very slow books. And uh, that's pretty much how I got started. And then, you know, I I progressed to reading uh, Don Beskreen. And then I was studying markets and trying to put together my power ratings and and evolved that way. But – at first, I was just beating moves, and then I got interested. I started making money, and, and at 22, I fully started to you know, bet full-time. What do you think it is about the Philly region, New Jersey, the East Coast even, up towards Boston? I have tried my best to read a lot of books, and it's hard to find a lot of books on the history of sports betting or racing or gambling in the U.S., but you know, Arnie Lang's got a good one. 
Chris Andrews has got one. There's a there's a few out there that you can get your hands on, but it seems to me, for whatever reason, things seem to emanate out of that region. Do you have a sense of why that might be the case? I know, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just the ethnicity, maybe, you know? Um, I mean, I'm Italian. There's a lot of Italians in this area. Not to say that is uh, the main reason, but I guess it was a lucrative business, and I I think the the mob was strong in these type of areas and more populated. But I know it's the same thing. Every podcast I listen to yours or or Wager Page or whoever, it's just you know we all come from Pittsburgh, Boston, like you said, New York, and it's kind of the same upbringing, you know. And uh, I don't know though; I, I, it's just in our blood out here, you know. I do certainly feel that way. And you know, you mentioned pizza shop delivery guy. There's plenty of Italian places in these parts <laughs> of the world, and and I, I do have fun talking to them about, you know, baseball or betting on some different stuff when I'm grabbing a slice or whatever. Do you remember back in those days, were you always on the trajectory of getting into this world or was it something that you didn't really think about too much? That's a good question. Um, so I kind of hit it my whole life. Like I, you know, I went to school. I did pretty well in school. I, I went to a, a four-year college rowing out here and graduated, but I never really thought at that time, you know, it was just kind of a hustle. I moved out early. You know, I was independent. I loved it. You know, I didn't have to uh, have random girls over with my mom seeing them. I was living that life at that time. So, but I thought nothing of it, you know, and then I started, I really got like uh, hooked on betting. I mean, not degeneracy, but just like I loved markets. I was already you know, messing around with the stocks and, and anything like that really like, you know, got my attention. I went to school to be a pharmaceutical sales rep, but this kind of took off and, and, you know, I, I was making money. I liked doing it. I had my own hours at the time. I could work as hard as I wanted to, even though now I work so much, but, um, yeah, but growing up, like it was hard to, now it's a little more, you know, out of the gray area, but Back then, I had to tell my family and everybody that, you know, I was I was going to school basically <laughs> to just say I was going to school and not, you know, not not doing anything. So you don't look at me like, you know, this guy doesn't even work or whatever, and he's just home all day or whatnot. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much I was kind of embarrassed not to or even at parties, people would ask what you do. And I still am kind of like that where. If you're not like hip to it, it's kind of like they just look at you like, you know, hey, this guy just bets and that's it. Like, how does that work out? You know, but it's not blackjack. It's like I have an advantage. I, in my mind, I don't really bet, you know, so it's uh, that's kind of like what it was. I just always remember my grandmom saying, like, you got to do something with your life. Like, I'm 27 and I'm, I'm doing well for myself. And, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, I didn't script it, but it just kind of, kind of, you know, just came into play. But uh, I mean, I definitely did not want to book my whole life because dealing with those people and, and I mean, just like, you know, they bet with no cause and then they don't have the money and then it turns into this fighting. And, you know, the older you get, you don't want to deal with that, you know. And I was young, so I was booking my friends and everything who are in their 20s. You know, they don't have any money. It's college kids. But the betting really captured me. So do you remember that at that time when you were bookmaking or trying to transition away from that towards potentially betting? What was your mentality at that time? Were you trying to 
be ahead of the curve? Were you seeing things that maybe others weren't? You mentioned before about scores and odds and, and some of the things you were seeing you maybe two minutes ahead of time. Were those things that you were able to pick up on quickly and, and move forward where others may not have been able to do so? Yeah, I feel I feel that, you know, at least just betting ahead of the line was the start to, you know, bigger things. I, I understood how to read a market. I mean, like right now I could I could I mean, we, we move games too, but right now I could tell you, basically, I'd be right more than wrong which way the line's going to go. And that's a, that's a big advantage. And I, I feel like I learned it from studying it for, you know, 15 years or whatever and really studying it. Like, I should be blind at this point staring at these lines. And I put them on super small size so I could fit all the casinos and really see what's going on all over the world. But I think that was a, a good start. And back then, the te- like, no one won back then professionally. Like, as far as – I mean, there were winners, you know, you hear about, like, the older guys. Not even, like, like Spanky was doing his thing or Dinky and, and the older generation was winning. But there wasn't as many professionals as there is now. Now there's so many computer models and there's really talented people that have huge advantages. Back then, it, nobody won. So bookies – didn't understand when you when you won like I would collect off the same guy and he was giving me I remember what my biggest guy my biggest guy that I was betting into he was giving me um 20 percent every week and and that number wasn't even a red if the audience knows what a red zone is there it's a makeup there was no makeup so I mean I could win five thousand one week and I'd get five thousand if I lost five thousand the next week I only had to pay 20% of it, 4,000. So, I mean, <laughs> think about that advantage. And I'm already at an advantage beating lines by two points and, and whatnot just just because I had access to offshore and they were the ones moving the numbers very fast. So tell me, to you, what does reading a market mean and how has that developed for you over the years? Because I'm guessing, you know, decades ago, things were very different to now. But especially back then, what were some of the things that you invested time in to be able to be world-class at reading a market? Um, well, market to me, I guess, would be um, understanding key indicators. And uh, still to this day, I, I list my Don Best in order of pretty much who I think is the most reputable book, who takes the most money, because they're going to be the ones that you know get hit first. But if you get a grand overall view of things, I mean, to me, a penny is a penny. If If Pinnacle is 1306 and, you know, another place is 1307. I'm betting all of 1306. Kind of, I get a lot of questions from my partners too because, not to go with other, but just um, they don't understand why they don't get every game I post or why one account gets a play and the other gets a different play and it's strictly because of line value. You know, I'm not just going to play the game. If you're 14 and a half on your site, I'm not – I'm not going to play it when I could get 13 and a halfs out there. You know, if it doesn't, unless my number's 17, then yeah, all systems go, you know. But um, yeah, so I guess reading the market is is pretty much seeing indicators and who gets hit first. And there were slower books back then. Now everybody is air moving. Everybody is, um, you know, pretty much moving off Chris and Pinnacle. So, but now we do a lot of fakes now because everybody follows along all these PPH places that, I mean, they don't care, you know, they're making their $10 ahead and, and they don't really care about their, uh, their customers. 
tell me the evolution on online and internet. Obviously, it's a huge change. If you went back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and obviously there's no internet like there is today or at all, basically, uh, maybe a phone line here or there. But how much did that impact things for you once that started to really ramp up? Yeah, see, I was caught in like the tail end of, you know, phone to internet. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm 30, I just turned 39 now. So in a year, I guess 2000 is when offshore started to come about. And I got caught in between the phone and the online. So, I mean, that was a good, it was a lot easier than it was a good, it was a good uh, year to kind of transition or good couple years to transition. And then uh, now it's like robots and there's no time. And, and now you can't, you can't just, you can't like have a slow out anymore. It just doesn't really exist. If it is, it's like gold. So I kind of caught that transition. It wasn't as good as, like I said, like the older guys generation where you could have the three at the Mirage and the six down at uh, the win or whatever at that time, which the it wasn't always the smartest or it was the people who worked the hardest that got the best numbers who understood the stardust all that type of stuff which i missed and i'm i'm kind of mad about that cuz i would have loved it then you know um but i still i still had a nice transition where i'm lucky that i still got to catch the slower end of the internet the internet was developing but they really didn't have a a great hold on you know how how it is like today now so you mentioned earlier that not that many professionals might have been around or winning, certainly back in the day. Mm-hmm. As things have changed with some of the stuff you discussed around the internet especially and, and having access to things that weren't necessarily available, do you think that that scale across the certainly the region but maybe even the globe and having access to more markets and essentially pooling much more of the money around the world uh, as it all sort of finds its way to, to certain bookmakers or bigger bookmakers and, and having increased limits potentially. Do you think that's been one of the reasons why it's been more lucrative for more people or more people are looking at it as, you know what, sports betting is a real option? Yeah, well, I think it's just, I think it's out of the gray area, like I said, and more and more people are, you know, like thinking, hey, you know, I could actually do this as a living and it's not illegal or like it was looked at before. But now we're pulling the best of the best. I mean, like you said now, I mean, with 20 years ago, look at the difference in technology. I mean, we could we couldn't even make a call to someone in Costa Rica. Now, you know, you're on Skype or Signal, Telegram. It's very easy. It's very easy to get lines in seconds. There's algorithms built all over. Even I mean, even the books got sharper. Because they had to be taught as well with the uh, with the smarter generation, but I mean it also creates uh, a lot more liquidity, which is great, and a lot more opinions. I mean the numbers are very tight. You you know we we steam games uh, a point, and sometimes they bounce right back. It, it's knocked right into somebody's zone, and uh, and they play, it, and that creates a lot of liquidity. You can get down some money, especially in exchanges or. I'm in a couple of trade chats, so there's so many people, you know, more into it now, and 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 it's it's actually a real option to make a living out of. I mean, if if you're if you can work for NASA and build a a winning sports algorithm, why work for NASA? I mean, there's real real money involved, and especially if you're a winning player, it's it's much more lucrative. And I mean, people really enjoy it too. Like I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I don't know. 
if or when I'm going to retire. But I mean, I, I feel like I'm just going to at least have a home office where I can step in and still do a little something. I don't know if I'm going to be doing what I'm doing now, but. So you mentioned the numbers are getting tighter, which I think most people would agree with. Do you think, thinking back to some of the earlier days, obviously through the lens of today, we would agree that, you know, three, four, five point middles, for example, and <laughs> things like that are insane. But back then, do you, did you think that, well, there's insane middles here all the time? Or was it at that moment, if you could transpose yourself back to then, were you thinking then, this is tough, I still got to work for it. Yeah, there might be three point middles, but... It's not that easy. I got to try and find one of those old brick phones to call some guy, and it may not happen. <laughs> I just, I always think that we always look back with today's lens. But at that moment, was it something similar, or is it as things really transitioned and accelerated over the last couple of decades? Yeah, it's very, it's it's much harder to middle now. So, I mean, I do a little of middling. Um, maybe like ten, twenty percent of my business would be middling. But it's really, it's really just if I'm knowing the number is going to go, you know, into some sort of a, a good scalp or middle range, then I will do it. But back then it was like automatic. I mean, you had minutes and minutes upon before you would, you would. I mean, you could see the move. You you would be at no loss. Like now, uh, last night I played under Memphis uh, basketball, two twenty eight and a half. It closed two twenty four and a half. I knew it was going to close. I knew it was going to take a lot of money. So I went as much as I could on the under Memphis, knowing that if I could get, you know, a little bit on the other side to hedge my position. But back, I mean, that was risky. It could have not went that way. I, I have, you know, I have a good view on that it was going to. But 10, 20, well, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you would be able to see that move even by clicking, like I said, refresh on offshore screens. And you knew the line, like, it was there. You could bet already 224 and a half when everybody else was at 226 and a half or 227 creating risk-free money. There's, there's no risk because you were so far ahead of the lines. You can't do that anymore, obviously, because everything is caught up. But yeah, so nowadays middling is very hard. I mean, for every good middle, there's a bad one. And, you know, it's, so I don't want to, and it's a lot of time. It's, it's a lot of focus too. How often have you needed to reinvent your approach, reinvent some things you're doing to to change drastically, or has it been little incremental changes and just being one half step potentially ahead of the market, or one half step on the cutting edge of certain things? I literally change something <laughs> like every day. I am torture with that. I mean, anybody in my office will tell you. I mean, they call me fickle. Which is, uh, I mean, literally, like the next day I'll have something in in stone and then it'll change. We may lose an account. We may lose a guy who was moving for us. We may realize that, like last year, we can't beat baseball, so why bother anymore? So now baseball's off the schedule, but who knows? Maybe maybe I'll come into something or somebody will reach out to me or saying, hey, look, we have this winning motto. Why don't you give us a try? Because I'm always looking for guys to recruit that uh you know that are smart they have algorithms willing to kind of you know work with us or learn or whatever up and comers so i get i talk to a lot of them and and one of these guys may win or whatever but um yeah well, i mean we changed sports <laughs> you know like i was never really doing props because i couldn't get the money down but uh now we're working with 
a couple prop guys and now we are doing that. I, I always feared doing props because, you know, you would lose accounts only playing that or, or whatever. So, but I mean, yes, it's, it's changing all the time. Everything, everything is changing in this market consistently. And, uh, you, you really just got to stay ahead of it every day. You got to read and info comes quicker. So yeah, I'm, I'm not stale on anything, which is like, I guess good and bad, you know, I'm a pain in the ass, but at the same time, you jump onto something well, like, uh, actually, for example, real fast, uh, we kind of had a heads up that the balls were going to be juiced and whatever on baseball last year. So we were just really betting a ton of overs in May and we were kicking ass then. And then, you know, it came back down to earth. We started losing. I pulled the plug on it and I was at it kind of caught up, but just little details like that. Or we had a, uh, in the, in the Mac, uh, tournament this year in college basketball, they were using new Nike balls in the mountain West. I'm sorry, mountain West it was. And, uh, we were reading quotes from players saying the ball's slippery, there's new rims, and they couldn't, like, get it right. So we were pounding unders. Just stuff like that. So you have to stay on top of it or you'll become a dinosaur and, and you'll lose. That's basically bottom line. Of the, let's just say, 100 people reach out, how many provide value at all and how many are useful two, three, four years later? I'd say about 20%, to be honest. Okay. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of tinkering and, uh, I guess they have to know what we do too. So, I mean, we work with the bigger guys in the business also, so we kind of have a better feel on everything, like just the market in general. But a lot of these guys are really smart. I mean, I know I met a couple people that, you know, came to me and check out the model and, and everything and I, we'll have history and data and, and uh, they're winning guys, and some aren't, but that doesn't even necessarily mean they're a loser in general. It might just be literally the the time we hopped on or whatever. So it's very hard to determine. I mean, you should stay with the guy for a while, at least, if you think he's a winning player or if he has a winning model. But sometimes, you know, variants, you just go in a rut or something like that changes. Like I said about the basketballs and the rims at Atlantis and that tournament – and uh and and they lose but i mean the same with me like even when i even when i play on my accounts <laughs> you know i hate it but like sometimes guys just come on at the wrong time and i'm like oh man you lost three weeks in a row and i'm like listen i don't work you know 85 hours a week and lose trust me you know so just stay with me it's a freak accident and we will get it back in the end trust me so uh but yeah i mean there there's very intelligent guys out there but uh a lot of them more more than not fail. What are the main reasons they fail? Do you have a, a handle on what it is about those that aren't? I mean, maybe they're just crap and they suck and they were, you know. But what about the ones that might be showing a bit more potential and might be good? What what's some of the reasons why they might not succeed? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not even sure because I'm not uh, much of a modeler guy. Like I have a small football one I use, but I find that the guys on the verge of Quitting their job is that's that's when you uh, that's when they're ripe for the picking. They're like they've been winning, but they've been betting small. They might not have the bankroll, but they have the money management and they have a clean head on their shoulders. I feel like those guys are the guys that are are really good. Um, last year I met a guy like that. He was 
debating whether to quit. And if I believed him and I was following him for a year or two and he was winning, then I would work out a deal with him. You know, like, look, give me your plays and, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll put you in a makeup. I have faith in you. I mean, it's an investment. He could lose and everything. But those guys that seem to be ready to leave their job and pursue this full time so they could really, you know, have – 20 hours in a day to do their model, not just four when they get home, are the guys that I feel are, are more of the uh, winning players. So you've talked about it, having a, a network and a strong network. How important is that specifically? But also, more importantly, having a trusted network. Obviously, this space is what it is, and I'm sure that's a, a focus for you and obviously valuable. Yeah, having a network is huge. I mean, I've always pride myself uh on having a good name like i i tell all my uh people that reach out to me they're like well how can we trust you and i'm like you would hear if i was a piece of shit or not on twitter there would be a lot of a lot of partners upset me if i didn't pay and i pride myself on not having a strike on my name you know i want to i want to lose i want to pay monday i want to show strength and uh nothing to worry about but uh yeah a lot of them ask uh you know a lot of questions or can i uh has anybody worked with me that i was like you can ask anybody on twitter and uh you know they will tell you the same uh as far as the network um you just build it up you know you get introduced to people from always doing the right thing and a, a lot of people reach out to me and i reach out to a lot of people saying hey if you need to uh, if you need some help getting on the game, you know, Joey will help you or his guys will help you. We're there 20 hours a day. I mean, you know, we're always, you can always get in touch with us. I pride myself on, uh, you know, work ethic. So yeah. Uh, having a network is huge. I, I keep growing. I keep, you know, over the summer I go on kind of like a little tour that we even spoke about and I try and meet partners and I try to go out and, you know, meet people and show them like, uh, you know, I'm a real guy. I'm not one of these, you know, touts or whatever, trying to burn you for $3,000 or whatnot. Do you have a good relationship with the bookmakers that you play with that are, you know, involved in the industry or is it a bit more adversarial? No, uh, I know a lot of them and I go down to uh, Costa Rica a lot and, uh, you know, I shower them with gifts and buy them lunch (laughs) and, uh, you know, you got to stay on their good side, but I always do the right thing. You know, uh, I called uh, Grande, I don't know, d- during the football season, they had some crazy line or some crazy juice. And, uh, you know, I would let them know instead of taking advantage and looking like one of those guys, I would, I would tell them, I always play right. You know, rule of thumb is when you play in the bookmaker, Chris only have one account. And, you know, I've always abided by those rules because, I mean, it's a cold world, as we know, in uh, Jersey and Vegas. So you got to uh, you got to stay on the good time if you want to on the good side of uh, these bookmakers. If you want to get uh, real money down, you know, I'd hate to lose my Chris or something like that that takes ten, twenty thousand a pop. And when I'm begging, <laughs> begging, uh, you know, points bet for seventy dollars or, or one of those places, you know. So. Take me through the evolution of betting options. And what I mean by that is more like, you know, you can bet on every college game, you know, FBS, even FCS now, things like that. Obviously, college basketball is a lot of volume in terms of games and college football as well. Has that changed much? Or I'm more curious about, is it just still too much of a smaller marketplace and it may not be necessarily worth the time or the investment on your side yet? 
Well, that's the thing with having a lot of off screens and my partners benefit from it too, is that uh, with, they don't, they don't, most of these bookmakers set their accounts up or their profiles as just one thing. It may just be 500 on NFL and 500 on, uh, you know, Iona and they don't, they don't know the difference. So that's where, that's where having a slew of accounts is just, I mean, it's, it's the nuts in this industry. Everybody, anybody who's a winning player is hungry. They need more money down on these games. So, I mean, the people with the accounts get to, you know, play into those, those lines. And, and back in the day, you couldn't, you couldn't really play them without being like noticed, you know, like a calling guy betting, you know, some weird Northeastern or something would, would look so fishy that, you know, they would, they would, they would probably know you're sharp. I mean, there were wise guys back then. It wasn't as known as, as it is uh, in today's age, but, but now it just goes under the radar. Most of these guys aren't real bookmakers. They just, you know, pay for the service and they check their accounts kind of Sunday. And, and that's why, and then you win and you don't get paid and then they think you're cheating and vice versa, even though I'm using a robot and they're using a robot to move their lines off Chris and Pinnacle, but they don't say it my way. <laughs> when I lose, it's okay. No, bot doesn't mean anything, but, you know, when you win. Um, yeah, so so that's, I guess that's, that's the evolution. Um, smaller markets are the best, though. I mean, that's, that's the most earned. It's just a problem. A lot of people, a lot of... Uh, sharper individuals who don't have account access, you can't put the time into that type of market to bet $100. I mean, even if you're hitting 73% at $100, $200, I mean, you're better off just having a regular job at that point. So that's the focus is the bigger markets when even hitting at 55, 56%, 54 is more valuable than hitting 70 at, you know, the smaller markets, NASCAR and, and such. So my perception of the industry at the moment is there is a badge of honor to originate and have your own model and beat the biggest you know markets out there, NFL or baseball or whatever it might be. But a lot of people I know are Swiss Army knives and may make their own numbers. They may you know try and get these middles or take good numbers or do a bunch of different things. Especially you know starting out, a lot of people I've met here in Jersey who are twelve months into their betting careers have spent a lot of time just doing odds boosts and promos at the, the legal sports books here in New Jersey that have popped up. And it'll be an, an evolution for them over the next couple of decades, hopefully. I'm interested in your thoughts on the, the making your own numbers part. How valuable is that for you? Is that something you're more than happy to outsource because you don't need to be you know, wearing that badge of honor where you can say you've built your own model on baseball and you're more than happy to take a different approach potentially? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. That's a good question. And I still... I still have this discussion with people like I feel like you're right. Like I don't like, okay, so myself, I basically only originate football. Okay. That's my model. That's what I grew up winning. That's what I did. I never won a baseball and, uh, NBA is just so many injuries. You got to keep up with it. And I do, uh, but I do it basically for scalping or if I get a heads up. But yeah, I feel like less of a man or something. Some people introduce me as a mover and I'm like, yo, relax. I'm not a mover. You know, I work with originators and I do my own origination. But bottom line is we win and that should be the focal point, not really, you know, what you're called out on Twitter or, or whatever. So, uh, I mean, I do originate a lot of my games, even if I'm reading and I find a nugget, you know, I'll, I'll, 
I'll play or uh, I play college basketball in the first month or, or month and a half when I have an advantage. And now I'm not doing much. I'm relying on, you know, people I work with. And, uh, you know, it's not embarrassing. It's just, I mean, how can you be the best at all sports? I'm not saying I'm the best at anyone in particular, but it's it's hard. It's hard to handicap hockey and, and, and baseball and soccer and all these sports I mean, there's only so much time. And believe me, I tried it when I was young and gung-ho. I wanted to take on the world. And, uh, you know, I had basically, I mean, what you could call it a model. It was on paper, but I had a certain way of looking at statistics, and I applied it to all sports, turnovers, strength of schedule, uh, situational betting was huge back then. Uh, you know, now it's all accounted for. Like, that goes in part of the changing. But, um no, I mean, you know, working with a team, everybody's got their own thing. Like, you know, Rob does hockey, Dink does hockey. Uh, I got guys that do basketball. I got a group that does baseball, you know, like I said, it's hard. But, um, yeah, so, but I know I, 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 I was talking to a lot of people about that. And I'm like, I'm kind of embarrassed when I'm called like a mover. I'm not a mover. I'll help people. <laughs> I'll help people, originators we work with every day. So it's part of the team, you know, like uh, – uh, an NBA uh, guy we have that's really solid. And, uh, you know, he calls, I give him his piece and, uh, and we get the info and, and that's how we work our deals. I have more accounts and he needs me and I don't mind his winning work. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is interesting. Cause it's, it's becoming more apparent to me anyway, or the perception is, is more of a reality now than it ever was, I think. And I, it doesn't necessarily, like you sound like you're an information center and you're a, you're going to curate all of that and you're going to make decisions and you're going to pick up angles and advantage everywhere you can. And that ultimately equals making money, hopefully at the end of the day. Uh, and you don't hear necessarily for card counting teams, blackjack teams that the, the wizard who can follow the deck so closely and can count cards the best. And then the next guy who comes in, who's just the person that bets all the money, they don't necessarily distinguish as much between the different people and different roles in, in other gambling situations or even just advantage players across the board you know some of the advantage play i'm sure is is not that sexy but it's for some reason in sports betting in this day and age there is a not necessarily a stigma but it's certainly a badge of honor to be the one with the model originating betting early and moving lines even though as you and others have said the money is green at the end of the day yeah like what do you uh, this is great i'm glad you asked this um it's like yes the guys the originators get you know they're the ones like Raz, he's originally everybody gets shit on for playing his games or whatnot, um, and 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 stuff like that. But at the end of the day, they, you know, you can't. I feel like you can't model and do all that, and you have to. Uh, you know, a lot of the modelers aren't really outgoing or personality wise, like what you need to accumulate accounts and whatnot. So we kind of, you know, I kind of do have that personality. I'm pretty good with people and uh you know they need us like we need them and whatnot like i mean i could probably do nf or you know football and and be done for the year but you know why not why not work together uh, as a whole and and as you know i always get those questions really who what, do you care if somebody's middling or playing WNBA? i mean look the bottom line is everybody brought me an account to win <laughs> whether i do it or not or what i'm doing or you know, if you, you know, it's like I do my best to answer questions, but bottom line is, are you happy? Did you make money this year? 
okay, well then, you know, let me do my thing. And, and a lot of these guys try to follow the account. So they, they're very interested. They just, you know, they're either up and coming or previous degenerates or whatever. And, and now they want to be on like the winning team. And, and I feel them. And it's like, I, I, I mean, I know I'm real. I hope they know I'm real on Twitter or whatnot, or my partners that I'm not just selling plays. Like, listen, I'm, I'm betting with you. That's why we're partners. This is my money. I lose, I pay, you, you know, I win, you pay. And, uh, yeah, that's how it is. I, I used to, I used to kind of hate saying that I would work with people or whatever, but I mean, what's embarrassing about that? You can't be a scientist, a mathematician, a nurse, a doctor, <laughs> all in one, a lawyer, you know, and that's kind of, that's a big sports world, you know? And like you said, there's so many markets now. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, it's a lot. You can't do it by yourself. No, I totally agree. And on that point, how much of your time is spent on making accounts last? And is that something that's relatively new in the last handful of years? Or they've been more vigilant on that in the last more handful of years? Or is it something that you've you've had to deal with from the beginning? No, that's that's always been a thing. It's It's way more popular now. And now the offices kind of get involved with the locals. They'll tell them, hey, this guy's using a robot or he's logging in a lot or... Um, you know, he's beating closing numbers. So the, some shops will give him a heads up and uh, and that kind of clues them in on, hey, what do they mean by beating the line or, or logins or whatever? Um, so, yeah, it's more popular to get caught. And now what William Hill and these spots are doing just made it almost cool <laughs> to, to cut any wise guy action or anybody who has a chance of hurting the bottom line. So, I mean, it happens, but it happens because I understand locals. You know, if you if you took me on three months and, you know, I'm beating you, I mean, who wants to continue that? They may not be a big bookie. They may not be able to handle it. You know, you're obviously not making your own lines or adjusting your action to where you need it, like a real book or a real place should do. So, but you know what? Sometimes it works out. Then the bookmaker gets curious. I got a lot of partners like that. What are you doing? You know, how are you winning every week? How are you doing this? How do I get in on this? My friend has an account with my head guy. You know, can we partner on that? Absolutely. Bring in all friends, you know. So it's not always necessarily a bad thing. They just get replenished uh, and lost every Monday is, is like that, you know. You lose seven, gain five, whatever it may be. How many bookmakers do you think recognize your skill set, whether it's by sport or overall, and are happy to accommodate you because it's it's useful information for them? Um, not many. <laughs> I don't know if any really do. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. I know a lot of partners, and maybe even bookmakers uh, are, you know, following my plays and trying to bet them out. But it's it's hard to get a number. I mean. You know, a lot of these games we go to the screen with, so it's it's tough to get the right numbers. Some not, you know, some I play quiet or whatever. But uh, I know for a fact people are logging in on my accounts. You know, I have a couple friends down there, like I said, uh, feed the mouse, and uh, they tell me they're like, you know, this account has seven different IPs logging in all day, and I'm like, yeah, I figured. You know, <laughs> <laughs> some of these guys give me accounts just to auto bet off me, and. Uh, and at least knowing where the info is, they'll give you like a cheap account, like, oh, here's a 500 account when they're really, you know, as soon as my play comes in, you could get text messages sent 
And then they bet it maybe with their book for, you know, who knows, 2000 or whatever. I used to get pissed about that and kind of try and screw with them a little bit. But now it's like, you know, whatever. Uh, I can't I can't worry about the guys playing off my plays. I mean, it's you're going to win less if you get, you know, worse numbers. And that's just how it is. So it's tough. It's you got to get the right numbers. So copying is is even harder. I feel I feel bad. Like sometimes I don't even get. Games move fast because people are auto betting me, and and places move fast that I don't even get the right amount, or if there are delays on the accounts, I kind of, you know, screw. I kind of get screwed for doing my own work from people following. You know. Do you think we'll continue to evolve, and the industry certainly on the betting side, where you know, as the time between the the odds movements change, or there's delays on the accounts. It's far more difficult, but then there's ways to potentially uh, make moves that are setting up for things later on in the week or later on the day or so on and so forth. Do you think there'll always be a a cat and mouse game or do you think there's a point in time where the the numbers will be pretty standard across the world and there won't be much room to move unless you're truly beating uh, beating that market? Yeah, um, well... First part of that, I hope I hope exchanges come into play more. Like I said, I'm in a couple trade groups. I mean, that's another part of my Swiss Army knife is that, you know, a lot of people come to me with info or trades asking if anybody wants the Niners or KC and we can meet at a midpoint at some. Um, so that's kind of like an exchange. And there's a couple out there now. The sport trade guys are working on it, too. Um, but I would love that where you take out the bookmaker like – like how poker, I used to play poker when I was younger and I kind of went the sports route. But, I mean, that's great. You uh, you get to beat the people you play against and, and the casino's taking a rake and they don't care if you win a million a day because it's not their money. I, I hope sports evolves to that point. And, I, I mean, we are run out of option because it is almost like a universal line now. I mean, there's not much... There's not much difference in in the Don Best screen I'm looking at right now. Yeah, maybe a half point, maybe some juice, and that's pretty much it because they're all coming from the same place. Um, they're already trying to stop robots, I guess, because you know it it hits their server so many times. And but there's places like Pinnacle who are are API friendly or robot friendly, and and they want to evolve with it. But I. I I don't know. I hate to sound like negative, but I feel like it's going to get worse for the sharper individual. Yeah, I think you might be right, but I hope there's always that cat and mouse game or there are exchanges coming along or there are other ways to make sure guys like yourself always have a place in this world because obviously, you know, it wouldn't be the same without it. I know you've got a clock 85 hours a week, so I've just got one more question for you. What would it take for you to jump back into the bookmaking world? Uh, you mentioned earlier it's a lot of administration and not for you, but is there any uh, is there any reason why you would be interested in doing that? Because I, I know a lot of people who, who bet sports generally say no way, but uh, I'm always interested if there are things that are attractive on that side of the counter. I think it would be cool. I, I think I tweeted this actually yesterday, two days ago, how if I you know were to run a shop legally, of course, that would be the one thing, would, uh, I would like to you know, continue my trading desk or office and kind of deal with the same guys. And I would like, I would like to run it as like a, a betting shop, like a real book, like 
maybe hang a crazy number knowing that it's going to get there by the end of the day because I know steam is coming or, or even we're playing it or whoever. I, you know, I get a call that, hey, look, we're, we're going to bet 100 on this game, you know. Can you help us out or whatnot? And knowing that obviously a hundred into the market is going to crush the line. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think with that type of info, it would be cool to be on the plus ten. I mean, that's that's great. It's great for scalping. It's great for laying off. It's great for betting. So part of me thinks that would be cool, but I mean, a lot of these bookmakers don't get paid a whole lot out there either. So that would be like it would take a lot to have me come over and kind of do my own thing, but I, I think about it. It'd be interesting for sure. But, um, I think, uh, I think I'm a better at heart though. Yeah. Similar responses I've heard from others. So, uh, Joey, thank you very much for coming on. Like I said, we could have done this for hours. It felt like we just got a couple of minutes in there yeah. and we're, I'm already taking too much of your time. So I, I appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we can do it again and, uh, hopefully a little break after NFL season, but straight back into it. I'm sure. Yes, for sure. And then the tournament. And uh, I think I'm going to take it easy on baseball unless someone out there reaches out with an actual, <laughs> actual winning baseball model. Awesome. Thanks, Joey. All right. Thanks for having me. 